staring blankly at these battle scars, picking up pieces of a fragmented heart. These memories are a constant replay. Hearing the sound of your voice brings me back to that place. In the quake of rage, I'm left in the wake of our demise, accommodating a complacement where my smiles. I am the woman who opened more than her legs, offering her heart for breaking, although I beg, don't take for granted the affection I've shown. If only I could forget all that I've learned. The feelings that you've rose in me have a tendency to counteract the things you've done and said. Even when I believe I can look past the pain, everything is stuck in my head. Those verbal missiles left behind an empty shell. Bleeding tears that blurred my vision of the present and so a future can't be determined. And I try to reminisce on the happiness of the past moments. Except my mind runs like the Antrac Express. One happy moment connects to several scenarios of distress. My shell shock has me damned again. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, has me reliving moments as deja vu, prompting the self-destructive nature within me. It's true. A soldier on the battlefield of my heart. I have been lethally conditioned to react to situations I can't foresee the ending. Better, be, better to be ready for the bombs exploding than to be caught off guard by the constant reminders from memories that this again will end in disappointment. I've tried to forget, but the emotions linger and connect this conflict between my brain and my heart. I am a war zone in the dark. No one else can be a contender because I am a woman who always remembers. You're listening to Spoken Soul Sessions. Ain't nothing holding me back but me and who's holding you but you but you. Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bold stances and looted dances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Start from scratch, exploring new possibilities. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions. I'm your host, Poetic Black. And I'm happy to be here. Spoken Soul family, what's good? Spoken Soul Sessions family, we got a good one today. I hope, I hope your day is going as beautiful as mine. I hope you're in pursuit of your dreams. I hope you're beating the ground to get what's owed to you, what's due to you. I hope you're pursuing your achievements. Spoken Soul Sessions family, we have a great show lined up for you today. My guest today, I've been trying to get this sister. She's a very busy sister. Just trying to get her on the show for a minute. This beautiful queen, I mean, you guys will see what I'm talking about. But y'all know how we do. Let me give this queen the proper introduction that she deserves. I'm talking about none other than Lady Obsidian Rain. She's an advocate for global wellness using art and social sciences. The poet Lady Obsidian Rain is passionate about helping individuals develop healthy identity and self-esteem through self-expression and spirituality by hosting empowerment workshops under her slogan, Bloom in Spite of Everything. Rise to become anything. Lady Rain is a mother and has a passion for nurturing others in the hopes of being a positive impact on the development of future generations. She is co-founder of Poets of the Round Table. They have has published two poetry books, Weathering the Storm and Love After Eruptions. 
She can be found on Spotify, iTunes, and most social media platforms. Spoken Soul Sessions family, I want to give a warm, warm, warm welcome to this beautiful queen, my sister, and your sister, Miss Obsidian Rain. Hey, queen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am blessed and highly favored. How are you? I am I am wonderful today. I'm so happy to have you in the studio today. I mean, I've been waiting on this interview. We we lined it up like months in advance. You know what I'm saying? It's finally here. I know you ex- you are excited and I am definitely excited cuz I want to get into the head of such a phenomenal artist. Now, I ask all my audience, I mean, all my guests when they come on the show, there's one preset question I ask because I like to get a a lot of different perspectives from different poets because you know how poets, how we think. Poets are very, you know, we are very, we, we, we perceive things differently than, than other people. And uh, the question I want to ask you is Miss Lady Obsidian Rain, why poetry? Why spoken word? It actually didn't start off um, the idea of me going into being a poet. I am just a writer. Um, I've journaled a lot of my thoughts, and I think the manner in which I wrote, which is very poetic for people to read it, and I just started articulating like my thoughts and things that I saw, and it would just come out as poetry. Um, I had a good friend who was getting into the poetry scene, kind of like have me tag along, and I got thrown into um, <laughs> this poetry cipher. And that was like the first time that I had actually performed any of my pieces mm. in, in public. And it was like something straight out of a movie, scene, <laughs> a movie scene. It was so crazy. And um, I just decided to continue with it. It's like, you know, our, our words are important and you never know how it's connecting with another person to, you know, strengthen them or just give them perspective. Um, on life and it's been ever since so so let me ask you how long have you been doing poetry how how long has this journey how long have you been on this journey it's been almost a decade i would say like eight nine years now wow definitely definitely i mean your words are very profound to say the least Mm -hmm. you know i i came across you on instagram on Instagram, I believe it's one of these shows I was watching because I, I do that a lot. I go on the different shows and I watch, I watch the artists to see you no know, new talent, talent that I'm not really privy to. And I came across you and your words, like, I mean, they really touched me. The cadence, you know, the delivery and the actual substance of the poem, it really touched me. So I said, I got to get this sister right here on the show. I mean, so your first book is entitled, uh, it was The Eruptions. What is it? The, the first book is actually Weathering the Storm. Weathering the Storm. And then your second book is entitled Love After, Love the, Eruption. after, Love After the Eruption. Now, the first one, tell us about that book right there. Tell us what, what sparked the, the title, because I want to get into the title, and I want to get into your name, because your name, your name... It, it that threw me also but first the title of your first of your first project let us know how you came about that so um it was it was interesting because i didn't see myself actually publishing books uh one day i was just kind of sitting around and i had recordings on my phone and it's like why don't i just release them and that's when i started uh putting them on uh like spotify i actually started using anchor and was just doing, um, you know, a raindrop of poetry a day. And I was just like putting these poems out. And then um, it was uh, Henry X on Instagram. He came on one of the lives that, you know, me and D2 Poetry were doing. And was just like, you know, you got to publish a book. You just got to, you know, get it in, you know, in physical form. And... I was just like, okay, well, the material is all here. Now it's just more just like um, organizing which poems I wanted to be in which book. And weathering the storm, uh, as I was reading through a lot of the poetry, it was just my 
mental health journey. Um, it was there. There are poems in there that reflect like what was going on inside of me during like all the social issues that was happening. You know, we have a lot of like the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, at heart, I'm a very I am a very spiritual person, and so I have this deep respect for life. And just to see the way that we treat each other just really upsets me. And I know that there's only so much that I as one little person can do. And so I just express those feelings through poetry. And those were like internal storms that I was dealing with. And that just actually ended up being the book, you know, this wow. is me weathering my storms. That's definitely profound because like I iterate on this show all the time about the power of the spoken word. And a lot of times we miss, you know, that a word, because you got that old saying that sticks and stones may break bones, but words never hurt, mm -hmm. but they do. And they words do. can have a lasting effect on a person's psyche, a person's physical health, a person's mental health. The mm -hmm. way, you know, people use their words, people use their words sometimes as daggers and you can use your words also to uplift. And that was the purpose of this platform was to create a platform to to give ear to the the art of the spoken word because mm -hmm. it can do so much it can do so much healing so i can really feel and identify what you're talking about in your book weathering the storm because for me also it's a healing process like some people are empaths where you can you can really feel you feel what's going on out in the world. And a lot of people mm -hmm. are oblivious to it. They don't, they don't understand how it affects people, but I'm like that also. And a lot of my writings is based on things that I feel from mainly other people mm -hmm. or how I see a situation and I will, I will speak on it and I'll write about it because it do affect me. So I understand that sentiment exactly. My queen that, you know, definitely, you know, words, Words have that power to either you can use to destroy someone or you can use to heal someone. And I'm happy that you are using your words to heal because I, I frequent your page on Instagram a lot. And you always giving motivational, little motivational jewels, you know, little motivational messages. So a person can have in their mind and they in a forefront to be like, you know, this day is going to be positive. This day is going to be better. This day I'm going to change the world, you know. And I feel you and I feel your journey, my queen. Now, tell us before we get into your your first piece and all that, because we got some stuff to unpack. <laughs> tell us, how did you come up with this name, Lady Obsidian Rain? Please inform the audience. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. That's actually a question that I get a lot. And, um, you know, my born name is Renee mm. and my family is from the islands. And so, like, my grandmother never i think with her accent it never came out as renee it always came out as rain and so essentially she it ended up just being a nickname that stuck like i was mm -hmm. just rain um and then i don't remember what i was something that i saw but the word obsidia caught my attention they actually um are it's a band and i would listen to them and they became like my workout you know group mm -hmm. their music really pumped me up to go work out and then i went to go like look it up and then obsidian came up and I realized that this is a, an actual stone. It's a volcanic rock. Mm. Um, and when fractured, it's extremely sharp, sharp enough where it was used traditionally as arrowheads uh, for Native Americans. Mm. It's also been used as a medical scalpel because it's that sharp, like in cuts. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I also had like a lot of obsidian rocks around me. I had like a, a snowflake obsidian pendant. Mm. I had, I, so it's just like, that's kind of wow. cool. That's know? dope. Um, so, and I just put it together and I, I thought of it as being my words. Cause a lot of people tell me that my words are cutting. Like um, there's another poet and we kind of crack jokes about it, but he's like, you know, you just chop down men like trees. And I'm like, I don't mean it that way. <laughs> You know, like you said, words can hurt, hurt. But it's like, you know, truth hurts, but truth will also set you free. That's and right. just because something cuts you doesn't necessarily mean that it's meant to kill you. It actually can be used to cut poison out of you. Exactly. You know? So when I start thinking about what the poetry that I was writing and just who I am as a person, yes, my words may hurt at times, but just like the ring 
comes to nourish the earth it's coming to nourish and replenish you mm -hmm. know so i may give you something that you ain't gonna like to hear or listen to but it can be a change agent for anybody mm -hmm. who utilizes it because words can hurt only to the extent that you allow it to move you that's right that's so profound so well put and uh it fits you it definitely fits you now knowing the background it definitely fits you and the body of work that you produce you know definitely so let's let's set the stage and let let my audience let's let's let my audience get a taste of what i know to be so great and phenomenal coming to the stage let's give a warm warm welcome to miss lady obsidian rain Where do they come from? Why does it seem easier to get guns than it is to get food and healthcare? Why are funerals so expensive when we all die? Why is rent so high? Why is education so important but only few get what is capable to elevate? Why are women condemned when their periods come late, if at all? Why are there such high conviction rates against nonviolent offenders? Where is justice when a crime is on videotape? Why are we so divisive when we all share the same organs? Why is there more hate than compassion? This society pays more for steel pieces than peace within hearts. This culture pays more attention to faults than freedom of expression, easily condemning, easily offended, why are we quick to paint someone a fool when truth is we can all be foolish? Lusting for power and control. We are controlled by our own insecurities. Fear of being vulnerable, we bully out of fear of not being seen. We settle for negative attention instead of seeking loving connections, hiding our innocence to avoid corruption. We have been corrupted so much we need medication to restore us to function. Why? Why is status and hierarchy more important than camaraderie? Lies told to perpetuate stains of inferiority. Why after millennia are we still living this way? Divide and conquer, haves against the have nots. They say money can't buy happiness and assuredly they're right. Because of money, we lose souls to meaningless fights. And it hits me. Society is this way because money reigns and peace doesn't pay. Wow. Absolutely, absolutely profound. Now, what's the name of that? What's that piece entitled? Peace Doesn't Pay. Peace Doesn't Pay. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Wow, that piece right there, it had me, it's so serene, but it had me like, wow, just to think about what's going on in the world to think about the everyday rigmarole we go through every people are so oblivious to what's right in front of them what's right in front of them that piece is profound now where is that piece is that piece in your first book yes that, that piece is in weathering the storm. weathering the storm now real quick where can we get that can we get that book on amazon Yes, you can find it on Amazon. If you want autographed copies, you can uh, go and connect with me on Instagram and DM me. Uh, you can send payments straight to me and then I would mail it out. All right, definitely. So I'm definitely going to put that in the description when I when I drop the episode, when I actually drop the episode. I'll put that link up there. I can get you a link, your Amazon link for both of your books. And I'll put that in your description when I drop this um podcast. Wow, that's a profound piece right there, man. And you have a you have a way of doing that. Like you a type of poet that, you know, once you get on the mic, you would change the whole the whole mood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, you could be talking about something else and then you come and spit a piece and now the whole mood is everything is serious. Everything is reflection. Everything is yo, what this what's the deeper meaning to things? I love that. And I love your I love your words, man. I really do. 
love your style of poetry. It's 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 refreshing and it's very, you know, it's 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 warming in a sense, you know, because I, I come from the slam circuit. I come from the slam circuit. I do a lot of performance art. I do a lot of acting. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like in your face with it, but you have a certain calm to your delivery and your cadence that I think is absolutely phenomenal. So tell us, tell us, Miss Obsidian, Lady Obsidian Rain. How do you feel today about the poetry that's being that's being produced today? How do you see the state of the world of poetry today? Do you see us? Do you see us excelling or do you see us digressing or do you see? You no, know, like where do you see the spoken word, the realm of spoken word today? Where do you see that? In all honesty, I don't even look at it. Um, because there's different kinds of poets. There are erotic poets. I am not an erotic poet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are, um, you know, love poets. There are like those in love poets. And I, I love those poets, that those poets. I love that poetry because it's like when I need to be like refilled with my warm and, and, and loving goodness, I can go to them for that. Um, so I feel like the state of poetry is going to be like everything else in life. It's going to fluctuate. There are going to be times where there's going to be a lull um, where some people are, are going to want to utilize it more for being seen versus like, you know, giving back to a community. And then there's going to be people who are still going to write to, and it, the pieces are going to move. Mm. Um, so it's just like, I think more people are starting to trust in their selves to, you know, even write their words and express mm. their words. So I do see that it's growing. Um, I'm just, I'm just not the one person who would kind of focus on where it's going or even try to put a judgment on, on it. That's not something I'm ever comfortable with. Mm, I feel you queen, because the, the reason why I ask is you have, you know, like for poets, we we get stuck with the stigma and a lot of artists do too but artists have transcended that like i'm talking about people who, who paint and draw mm -hmm. they've transcended to a degree however poets are really stuck with that stigma of you got to perform for free that you got to give your art away for free so you you look at as as far as different realms of spoken word you have comedy comedy is a, is a different form of spoken word they get paid, you know, clowns get paid, you know, everybody get paid. But when it comes to when it comes to poets, people expect for the poetry to be given away for free. And you see a lot of uh, a lot of, you know, it's, it's a lot of uh, where where the, where I see that the, the state is a little bit stagnant. Like I see we making great strides, you know, like in the inauguration for the uh, the last inauguration, I believe with Biden, they had a poet. I forget the sister's name, but a poet performed, you know, so that right there is hope. But when you look at mainstream, because I, I really believe that poetry is the thing that we need to heal as far as our entertainment. When you look at the music, especially in the black community, you look at our music and our music, it it degrades our women. It kills our young, you know, our, our young boys, our young kings out there. It promotes them to just scam somebody, kill somebody, rob somebody, you know, sell some drugs or pop pills. You know, so you see that what's being on repeat in our community is it's not you don't have Talib Kweli on repeat you don't have artists like you know what i'm saying poor righteous teachers or you don't have these type of artists that's being played over and over again they put the dumb stuff on repeat the stuff yeah, that's gonna that's by design though because it, exactly. when you think about it like tupac was a poet okay? exactly like, i have a collection of tupac poetry mm -hmm. and reading his poetry versus the stuff that was published as his music there's a stark difference very big difference you know um so when i think about 
you know, the aspect of poetry getting put out there, there's ways to monetize it, I mm-hmm. would say, um, for it to be impactful as well. How do we get to that point? I don't have a full answer for that. You know, we mm. can still be, you know, making our videos and putting them on YouTube to a point where they're like, there's views and then that becomes monetization. There's still, you know, the concept of putting the books together. There's, you know, the podcast option, like, if we are putting the stuff out there in positions for it to get monetized, then it'll happen. But if we're going to leave it up to mainstream anything, mm. we're not going to get the return that we would be hoping for mm. because they understand how powerful words are, which is why they carefully craft which words they release in That's specific, right. you know, cultures and things like that. Um, it's like, we can get back into like doing the school circuits, but the demand for poetry, I'm not sure if we're going to get that demand for poetry if we don't create the space ourselves. Um, one of my favorite movies um, is for colored girls and the entire production is a poem, mm. you know, um, it's it's a, it's a painful movie. <laughs> to, 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 yeah, that was know. a that was a heartfelt movie right there. That right? movie, like, doesn't matter how many times I watch this movie, I will still cry at the same mm. part. I know it's coming, and I'm still gonna bawl my eyes out. But the entire production is performed as a poetry piece. Mm. So, if we're capable of doing things like that. You know, that's a that's a way to make money. If we're expecting for people to pay us for our work. Hello. Yep. Like, yep. Indeed, because I don't think it's, it's not necessarily about the payment. It's about the reach. Right. It's about the reach. And like you said, it's, it's, it's so it's so true that they carefully release. They decide what words they will allow to be released on repeat, you know, because they know that words have power and they know the frequency that they want to keep us at. You know what I mean? That's why I always scream from the mountaintops. Spoken word. I try to go, I try to go to as many shows as I can get to. You know, try to put as many artists that I feel have something to say on for the mere reason that to 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 broaden that outreach. Because I really believe that it's the power of the spoken word that's gonna change things. You know? So it's definitely just building the community and letting it catch fire because it, it still will. Um, you know, for you doing these podcasts, these are this is important. You know, it's impactful. People are going to listen to it. Um, you know, there's also poets there are on TikTok. Like, I wasn't going to get on TikTok for the longest because I know with everything that I have going on, mm. I will get sucked <laughs> into TikTok. Um, but because like I follow like certain poets on TikTok, like poetry comes across my feed and mm. I hear other people's poetry. So even when we're thinking about reach, like I, my poetry has reached India. Like mm. I wouldn't have ever expected that, mm. you know, but there Profound. are people, you know, over there that have, have heard my poetry and come back. So it's like technology in one sense has been a blessing because I've been able to reach people who I otherwise would not have had access to. Mm. And when I did stuff, I was like, it was never even for the money. I share just to share and what comes, comes. Mm-hmm. And so for people to then message me and tell me that, you know, my words impacted them, like that's both humbling and kind of terrifying. Cause I'm just like, now yeah, I understand I how people get like swollen with fame and, and go, go off the deep end. I want to always consistently keep myself humble to know that this was a journey that I had to go through mm. to be able to impact that person, to give them courage to get through anything that they're getting through. Definitely. Profound, my sister. Definitely. Now, before we get into your next piece, because I want to set up for another piece, we're going to play a word from one of our sponsors. So we'll be so we'll be right back and then I'll cue you up for your next piece. Okay. Hello, 
This is William S. Peters Sr., a.k.a. Just Bill from Interchild Press International. First, I must say we at Interchild Press are proud to support my brother Daniel Green, a.k.a. Poetic Black, and his prolific, embracing, and informative program, Spoken Soul Sessions. As a publisher and now sponsor of the work Poetic Black does, we at Interchild Press International offer to you, his listeners, and all spoken word artists, writers, and poets, a 10% discount on all of our publishing packages and services. Please mention code SPOKENSOUL to take advantage of this offer while it lasts. You can contact us at InTouch at innerchildpress.com, and we hope to see your words in print very soon. We are Interchild Press International, building bridges of cultural understanding. That's www.innerchildpress.com. Thank you. Coming back to the stage, let's give a warm, warm welcome for my sister and your sister, Lady Obsidian Rain. I read a book once. Cucumbers have thorns and snakes love strawberries. What a terrifying metaphor for abuse. Told it would be cool to take it. Told that you were pink like the inside of a strawberry. Told you taste like strawberry. Biting into your innocence like a crisp bite into an apple. I once heard a man question the snake's punishment. Being made to crawl on the floor and something clicked in me. Man's punishment was to till the ground with his hand. Maybe the snake was a metaphor for the uncircumcised penis, the way it sheds the skin before entering woman. Man and woman, why are we lock and key but lack boundaries? Blurred lines of responsibilities, just men taking access to women's bodies and then blaming us for any consequences. Have you ever looked up the penalties for rape and sexual violence? Did you know that the closest the assailant, the less time is served? Or that unless it was heinous in nature resulting in murder or a chain of bodies counted by the one, it will be the woman dragged through the mud? Why is it so easy to drag the women through the mud instead of requiring a man to be responsible for his actions? Women who are deemed the weaker sex. Men, do you hold us in contempt? Is that why you won't protect us? Do you still blame us the way Adam blamed Eve in the garden? If there's one thing I've learned from the Bible, it's taking personal responsibility. Tending to the plank in my eye before the speck in someone else's. But instead, many play it cool like the cucumber. Never wanting to admit their faults. Sneaking around like snakes. Shedding skin without altering their nature. Told that they shouldn't have to change but never looking inside to admit that they need to. Not to please anyone else, but because they want to be more than nature, more than a tool of destruction, more than a cucumber with thorns and a snake with the lust for strawberries. Men, we need you to be more and to not hate us for it. We we have to unpack this piece right here, man. This piece right here. This because I was I was I'm, I'm in the process of doing actually doing a panel podcast. It's like a panel of different artists, and we was gonna tackle the discussion of Queen and King, you know, that title of being king and queen. And uh, this poem right here that you just recited, it kind of sums up the whole gist of what I want to bring forth of the uh, the podcast. Wow, that piece is just, that piece just blows me. What's the name of that? What's the name of the piece? Um, this piece is called Cucumbers and Snakes. Cucumbers and Snakes. Let's get into the metaphors first. The first metaphor that I just thought, it just blew me away. It was the snake and the skin being 
do men look at it's like like how the penis get encircumcised. I don't know how you put it, but it's it's crazy. Yo, the metaphor just blew me up like, wow, is this the snake? It was the question you're asking, is this the snake, you know what I'm saying, that beguiled Eve? Or, you know, I mean, it's crazy that, yo, that metaphor, I never even thought about it like that, but it's profound. Now, please inform us, like, coming from directly from the artist, let us know where you was going with this. Break it down for us, Queen. Um, oh, this, this is a deep one. So this is an actual, it was an actual book. It is an actual book. Uh, Cucumbers have thorns and snakes love strawberries. Um, when I was out in Texas, you know, I was at the mall and I ran to a, a lady doing like a book signing and I wanted to know what book it was. And I got to meet the author right then and there. I got the book right then and there and, you know, got back and read it. And I was like in tears um, because it's, you know, her personal story of, you know, dealing with sexual abuse. And I am also a, you know, thriver. I mm. say I'm not a survivor or a victim. I'm a thriver. I have thrived after sexual assault in my own life. And along with my spiritual journey and like just reading the bible and just reading about the women in the bible and the stories you know because this isn't anything new um there's one woman in the bible uh tamar who is essentially like assaulted by her i think her brother's brother because you know the bible's <laughs> bible mm-hmm. got some interesting stories if you read it right mm-hmm. um so like assaulting women is not new and then i started thinking about you know the the fall of man obviously like, the whole thing with within the garden of eden and i was like well what if cain is actually lucifer's kid mm. you wow know? and maybe that's why he resented abel so much because his you know stepdad as adam was not treating him well mm. and so i started looking at things just very very different like my, <laughs> the way my brain just looks at situations um helps me put some things into perspective and you think about childbirth and like the pain that women go through immediately gets forgotten when we hold our kids Mm. and so it's like to counteract the pain of what you know she went through being assaulted and having to bear this person's child she learned how to you know love very Mm. quickly you know um and that's just like i think about what i've gone through i think about what other women have gone through and just how we keep going you know mm. we just keep going there there's no downtime for for our bodies to to say okay well this person assaulted me but let me just open up to the next person like it just it really doesn't work like mm. that and then you think about like how society responds to women when they talk about being sexually assaulted it then becomes well were you leading him on what were we, what were you wearing how are you acting did you you know get all the way to the door then just tell him no were you drunk well why were you drunk it never questions the guy like mm-hmm. why did you trespass on this woman you know something that you say that it's it's crazy because a lot of times cuz I, I believe the same thing i believe that when you when it's a lot of things that we delve into and religion is one of them. Religion is the main one that perpetuates this type of mindset and this type of behavior from men. And cause when you look at the whole story, let's, let's, let's just analyze it real quick. We got time. Mm-hmm. You look at the whole story. Everybody say that man brought forth woman. That woman was created from Adam's rib. Right. This is how the story says it. That's what they say. So in essence, you saying that woman comes from man. Now, for one, it don't make sense. It don't make sense to me. Now, this is coming from a person that used to be extremely religious. When I say extremely religious, very studious, very, very religious. But I start seeing these type of things. These type of things that perpetuate the idea that man is over woman, man, that woman comes from man and she's to be subservient to man. Now, when you really look at the the woman's anatomy, you have women who have breasts. 
both have nipples. Men have nipples. Women have nipples. But women have a use for their nipples. There's no use for men's nipples. So that right there, just from a, a basic common sense point of view, it would tell me that man came from woman and not woman coming from man. That's the first misconception that I noticed off rip, off rip, you know, because the prototype is going to have everything that the upgrade don't have. That, that some of the things, the bad qualities or, 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 or whatever qualities that the prototype have. It won't come to the upgrade. The upgrade, when you get to the upgrade and you get to the final product, you're going to shed some of the things that the prototype have. So when you look at who came first, it's obvious to me who came first and where we come from. It's obvious to me that in religion, they take the woman, they demean the woman when she's actually supposed to be uplifted. She's lofty. She's God. You know what I'm saying? Now, we're all God in that sense. But when you look at a child, when a child is brought forth into the world, everything that they need is given by the mother. The light, the food, sustenance, warmth, shelter, everything is given by the woman. So to that kid, that woman is God. That woman provides everything that that child needs. So you see the 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 mass misinformation in that that's perpetuated in all religions because I've delved into Islam, very deep into Islam, very deep. I read and write Arabic fluently. A lot of people don't know that. And I learned that and I, I learned that from being a Muslim. You know what I'm saying? But then when you see all of the different things that that's that's just is so demeaning to women. Because in a lot of Islamic countries, you know, you have the women that when I say that they are oppressed, very oppressed. You got some some countries or some tribes in Africa that mutilate the women with their um with the circumcision. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they say that women don't supposed to have feeling. They, they're not there for that. They're just there to pump out babies. But this is all perpetuated by religion. And we give the religion the credence and then we pass this religion on to our children so they can do the same thing over and over again. We got to start looking, not saying that, oh, if you belong to a religion, you're bad or nothing. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we have to filter what we pass down to our children because it will repeat the same identical cycle that's going on now today because when you think about it we give the bible credence we give the quran credence and we give these things credence to our children but these are the same type of books that reiterate these 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 uh these 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 animalistic or chauvinistic principles that men hold dear today but I think it's the it's the interpretation of it. The interpretation gets, you know, twisted to their intention, because as much as I've read the Bible and I've also read the Quran, mm -hmm. um, what it states in there at no point was ever supposed to have women be treated as an object. Mm. That was the difference. You know, women were supposed to be revered and respected and protected and provided for, you know, mm -hmm. and likewise, the woman being the helpmate, it did not say I am your slave. It meant I am your equal and I'm going to cover your blind spot. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's been the misinterpretation of these, you know, references that people have, you know, run rampant with, but covering, you know, I've, Everyone is subject to their own choices, their own will. For me, covering my body is my choice to respect myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always, I've always kind of been, been that way. Like I never saw the, I never really had the desire to kind of just show off all my stuff. I wanted that to be special for my, my spouse whenever I should have one. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> And to, to know that, like, not he, not everybody has to see my body and That's he right. knows what I'm intimately like, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think those things that were put in place were supposed to be utilized to develop intimacy between partners, to know that this is one person that they know better than anybody else can ever say that they know them and hold on to that. And 
with liberation and everything else as it has come, you know, because that's what love is. It's free choice. It's free will. You do what you want, but you're not free from the consequences of it. Mm. Everything still comes down to your personal choice. I'm protecting my body. If you're not protecting my body, then that was your choice not to protect my body. Mm. And I could still hold you accountable for that. Indeed. Because you are still dominant in the sense that you are going to be stronger than me. Mm. Which is why women were put into the charge of men to take care of. Because naturally, you are stronger than me. Mm -hmm. So if you overpower me, you have to realize that's something you did over me. You you dominated me you subjugated me those are your actions to do mm -hmm. no one likes to be held accountable for their own actions indeed i i agree with you and that and that's why i'm saying with the with the religion religion perpetuates it that that mindset because when you look at like i give you a prime example i'll give you a prime example i know a brother right i know a brother now in islam you can have up to four wives you can have up to four wives right so now I've never I've never practiced polygyny, though polygyny is permissible in Islam. I've never partake. I've never personally partook in polygyny. I never had two wives at the same time, but I had a friend, good friend of mine. You know what I'm saying? And it was like his 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 mode that he would he would have four wives. And he would divorce one. Whenever he divorced one, another one, it wouldn't take him more than a week or two to replace her with another one. So I should be, I should be watching him the way I'm like, wow. He said, yo, I keep four. But his mindset that he thinks in his mind and his heart that he's on a righteous path. And he's saying that, oh, this, this is this is the sunnah. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep four. And technically speaking, within his rights, according to the religion, he's absolutely correct. You can have up to four wives. But when you look at it, when you look at the whole dynamic, in order to have up to four wives, you got to be able to maintain four wives. You got to be able to maintain four wives. And if you don't got the, the resources to do that, because some brothers, they got it. They, they got it like that. But if you don't have the resources to do it, then you're really playing yourself. But what I'm saying that the religion itself, it, it justifies it. A person can't go to, a person can't go to the mosque and like a woman can't go to the mosque and say, look, my husband got three other wives, like, and, and get him chastised for it. Yo, you got three other wives. It's, there's no, there's no, no right, repercussions. It gives, it, it gives them, it gives them justification for their behavior and their motives, but they're still choosing to do it. They're still choosing to use religion. It's like but it's permissible in the religion. That's what I'm saying. It's permissible. Like it's not like you're you're not sinning. Just because it's permissible doesn't necessarily make it right. Like we're permissible to do anything. That's what you know. God, He said we have free will. He mm -hmm. gave us permission and have free will to do what we're supposed to do. But he also did say, here are the things that you shouldn't do for these particular reasons. You mm. still have all justification to go ahead and do it because I love you enough to give you free will to make the choice. You have the choice not to love me. Mm -hmm. But is it right? That's it true. It still comes down to personal accountability. Mm. I you feel have, you. And I look at, I look at, you know, the Bible and the Quran like, as references for checking myself, not to give me permission to go out and hurt people. Mm-hmm. Not to give permission to, you know, <laughs> for what cases. It's like I'm not, <laughs> not going to get out of high horse. But I just, I just, personal accountability. That's the only thing that I will ever look at. You have the ability to do anything that does not mean that everything is right. That's true. I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. That's why I think it's just permiss. I think it's just for us, we have to really filter we have mm -hmm. to filter what it is we ingest and what do we what what do we receive to be law or what we look at to be like oh this right here is fact you know and a lot of times we base our facts and we we base the way we move our lives the way we move in our lives we base that on some type of 
whether it be religion or some type of belief that we have that's dear to us. And it's perpetuated throughout generation, throughout generation. So when you look at the generation before you and you look at the men in, in, in the world that, that it produced with that same type of behavior, you see these men and what it produced. They, they, you know what I'm saying? They're not, they're not conscious of what's, what's, what's going on. So when you look at the religion, like you said, you got to hold the man accountable. So at the same and time, women too, because I'm not yeah, letting women off the hook. Yeah, yeah, they, definitely. They, they will absolutely sometimes put themselves in positions to have a certain outcome that will then justify why they, why they make choices that they make. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it isn't even just men. It is everyone's personal responsibility to be accountable for themselves, Indeed. mindfulness, you know, reflection. Um, and it's it's funny that you, you made the statement that you made because literally the first few words that ran through my head this morning is, is not what goes within a man that defiles him, but what comes from him that shows his defilement, mm. you know? And then there's like the saying, you are what you eat. So if you are mindful that it's not what goes into you, but what comes out of you, but you know what, what goes into you impacts you, then you start becoming mindful of what you take. That's in. right. I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, 100 percent, 100 percent. You really have to filter what you what you, you know what I'm saying? And it goes for like men and women, because mm-hmm. a lot of times we take these old archaic beliefs and we put them in the forefront of everything that we know modern today. Not saying, not giving any less credence to what we believe, because I believe that the Bible is a great book. I believe it's a very powerful book with a lot of wisdom in it. The same thing I feel about the Quran or the Torah is a lot of wisdom in these books. But then you got to realize that these books was written centuries and centuries ago. So the fact that they was written so long ago, a lot of the things become obsolete when you're dealing with today's world. And a lot of times when you take these type of principles from back then and apply them today, you're going to have that same type of barbaric type of behavior coming from men because it's perpetuated within the religion. A man got to have four wives. A man got to be this. He got to do that. So when you when a man is hearing this all the time, because I remember when I was a, a devout for 18 years, when I tell you, man, people know me. For 18 years, when I before I came out of the mindset that I was in, for 18 years, devout, pray five times a day, every single day, for 18 years straight. I still do, but I'm talking about with that type of devotion and conviction. But then it, it dawned on me. It dawned on me that I need to filter what I'm taking in and ingesting. Because right, God, God never called for religion. He called for a relationship. And there's a difference. Exactly. The um, religion means to bind. That's yeah. what the word means to bind. So you're binding yourself to this precept, this concept, this, this book, this ideal, whatever it is you're binding yourself to, you're making it incumbent upon yourself to be like this. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is I think it's so much beauty in the book when you open your eyes and mm-hmm. you really absorb it and you can apply it to today. Not saying that there's no good in this book, but I'm saying that a lot of people misconstrue it. A lot of people take it and they take it out of context. They take it out of, you know, out of this natural state. About it, like, I don't even know where they got the, the concept of being a macho man. Because for crying out loud, like David was a shepherd. No, I'm saying David writing all the Psalms. He cried. And most men don't even want to admit that they cried. Exactly. So, exactly. The idea of what manhood what manhood is it's warped like, it's it, warped it's completely warped and i don't even know where it came from exactly and you see i don't mean to cut you off my queen but you see in our community we can identify with our community you see how we interact with each other like i did a podcast on this on this platform about being together and i said we can get more done together than we can get done apart but in our community, we're the only ones that pit, that are pitted against each other. When you look at Spanish woman, Spanish man, oh, happy. You know, Asian, Asian, happy. Indian, Indian, happy. But when it comes to black and black, oh, it's a problem. It's a problem. You dig what I'm saying? So I just think that we as a people, like I was having a conversation with my brother and this came up and it was deep. And I was using an analogy and I said, yo, I said, look, I said, when you have the knowledge that gloves go in your hand, right? 
if you have that knowledge, you won't put them on your feet. You won't try to put gloves on your feet as socks because you was like you have the knowledge that they supposed to go in your hand. But the same way you treat women, when you try to treat a woman, she's supposed to be a glove that you're putting on your hand, but you're trying to put her on your foot. You're trying to fit her on your foot and you're stepping on her. And he was like, he was like, oh, I was like, yeah, that's deep, right? I said, you treating a glove like a sock. So if you're treating a glove like a sock, now don't use that because I'm still, I'm, I'm writing stuff with that. Don't use it because I know how poets stay. Oh, I'm taking that. I, know, <laughs> I, got, <no. laughs> I will never do anything like that without permission. <laughs> but definitely, definitely it's deep though. We was just having a regular conversation and a lot of us do that. We treat our woman, she's like a glove. She's supposed to fit us like a glove, but we trying to put our foot in her and walk on her like she's a sock. And that's not the case. It will never work that way. So, and same thing with women and men. When a woman knows who she is and a man know who he is, it's impossible for them not to understand each other. It's impossible. You dig? So if you know your counterpart and you know yourself, then it's impossible for you not to know that gloves go in your hand and not on your feet. It's about that knowledge. So the key is that knowledge. And you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, we could talk about this subject all day, my sister. Yeah, You're you, you going to have to you know, join me in a Speaking Life Overtime show. Uh, Most death. I got to get you on a panel discussion because <laughs> the panel discussions is what's bringing it all out. And your poetry, your poetry itself sparks for conversation let's talk about this like you right only thing we got to do is let you recite a poem and then <laughs> they were like yo let's talk about it and we, we got a whole bunch of content we can create just from the poem because that poem got me stuck you supposed to be doing two more pieces but we still <laughs> but we still stuck on this poem that poem just shook me that poem shook me man that poem shook me it was so vivid it was so beautiful and it was so making me so aware from a woman's perspective, how she feel. Because that touched me as being a man, being a man and, and hearing you go through that in your poem and the sister who wrote the book, who inspired you to write the poem, all of that touches me as a man. It touches me. It really touches me because like, wow, this is how my sister feels. You know what I mean? And I got to correct that. I got to do something to, to, to contribute, to correct that. And that poem is just powerful, man. That poem is powerful man it's a powerful piece and it sparked this whole it just took the interview somewhere else you know what I mean? you just have a habit of doing that like you spit a piece man we just can't just go like you and spit this 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 and this and then we gonna cut it we can't do that we can't do that with you man like i really gotta have you back on the show on a panel discussion with some other poets that I really view their points of view, man. I really, I really value their points of views. And I want to put all you guys together, man. And we just going to have a powwow and we're going to let the people hear it. Like, whoa, man. But go ahead, sister, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thoughts. Finish. Yeah, we had a little bit of technical difficulties with my sister, Lady Obsidian Rain. So what we're going to do, we're going to have her back again. So this will be considered part one of the interview and she owe us two more pieces. So we're going to bring her back and we're going to do a part two. So you guys look out for that. But in the meantime, I want to remind the audience that if you're looking to get out there and get your book out, chat book, poetry book, novel, you're trying to get your work published. You can go out there and check out my guys over there in the child press. They do good work. My brother, Bill, he's really dedicated and committed to getting as many artists as he can to produce their first publication. So y'all can help him in that. And plus you're getting a 10% discount. If you use the promo code spoken soul, remember soul is spelled S O L. So you guys go out there and check that out. They got packages ranging from anywhere from $400 to $4,000. Very comprehensive packages. So you go check Bill out and get that promo code. But I want to thank my audience for coming and spending this time with me. Thank my audience for, for spending this time with me. And uh, I want to remind you to always be in pursuit of your dreams. Never allow anyone 
to convince you that you're not worthy. You are very worthy. You are very adequate. And you need to know that. Today, let this be the day we stop procrastination. Let this be the day we stop getting in our own way. Today will be the day that we break free. That we break free and we redefine who we are. I want to thank you guys for spending this time with me. And remember, always speak your soul. I love you guys. And I hope you love me too. Peace.